at Mitchell and Webb Sound, starring David Mitchell and Robert Webb, with James Barkman, Olivia Coleman, and Sarah Hadland. Hail Caesar. Hail Miklas. No, no, you don't hail me. Oh, yes, sorry. Remember? Sorry. Try again. Hail Caesar. Hey, hello, or whatever. Yes. Uh, Mighty Caesar, your council has devised two further ploys to ensure success in the forthcoming parley with Cleopatra. Two further... What, you mean on top of the hail thing? Which is going very well. Mm. Yes. The first is that henceforth you will refer to yourself only in the third person. Right. What does that mean? I mean, I I do know, but... um... Instead of saying, I am listening, you say, for example, Caesar is listening, or Caesar listens, to make you sound more... More... Important. Right. So I... No, Caesar. What? Not you. Caesar. I thought I was Caesar. Stop saying I. Oh, I see. Ah. Oh, sorry. He sees? Exactly. He or one or Caesar. Just makes you seem more imposing. I see. So you want me to... No. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, you want Caesar, him, you want him... That's it. ...to seem aloof. I get it. Ah. Ah. Mighty Caesar! Mighty Caesar! Nessus! Try it out. What? Oh, Caesar is listening. Excellent. What? Caesar is listening. I thought you were Caesar. No. <laughs> yes! Sorry, yes. Am I? But I thought... Uh, 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 so, sorry, Caesar thought... Uh, I get it. Uh, uh, I, I mean, he gets... Uh, uh, he, he means he gets... OK, mighty Caesar, from now on, every time you forget to refer to yourself in the third person, I will blow on this reed. <laughs> right? An excellent system, Nicholas. What's this third person? New protocol. Ah. You bring news. Yes, mighty Caesar. I bring news... Sorry, he brings you news. Sorry, he brings him news. Nessus. Him, are we? Is he, I, is it, what? What, what are you doing? Well, we're all referring to ourselves in the third person, aren't we? Yes. No. Aren't we? <laughs> I, I mean, them? No, no. You refer to yourself. I refer to myself. <laughs> he refers to himself. Who, me? No, me. <laughs> I mean, him. Caesar. Oh, are you Caesar? Me. Oh, I see. No, you're still Caesar. Me? No. You. No, Caesar. You, Caesar. Me. (laughs) What? I get it. Shut up. It's very simple. Caesar is... Yes, I'm... He's Caesar. I'm... I'm him. He's... And you're... Who? Caesar. What? I said Caesar. Can't we get a gong if we get it right? No. So, what do I... Nicholas, out of interest, what was your second piece of counsel for the forthcoming parley with Cleopatra? Ah, yes. Don't stare down her top. Very sound. (laughs) In the old days, you had to think whatever boring old stuff came into your brain. Not anymore. From the inventors of the iPhone and the iPod comes the iReckon. The iconic white brain implant that lets you enjoy the thoughts you want in the order that suits you. Making thoughts used to be boring because I'd have to look at stuff and talk to people. Now, thanks to some light brain surgery at the Apple Store, I can download all my thoughts from the internet. Just like racists and David Icke. Before the I reckon, my thoughts came out one after the other in a repetitive, predictable series. And man, that stuff is so analog. It's like I was practically Phileas Fogg or some crap. But now I just kick back on the train with my I reckon on shuffle. It's mental. One minute I think I'm Jesus, the next I'm the hype for a sausage. Select thoughts from hundreds of categories in our online store, like sad, happy, paranoid, and 80s. Thanks to the I reckon, you'll never have to confront the eerie silence at the heart of your being until you're lying terrified on your deathbed. Ace. I reckon from Apple. 
drowning out the screaming void. Ah, like Radio 4 that's already in your brain. All right, all right, can I have a bit of hush, please? Thank you, thank you, I am talking. Right, now, I'm, I'm sure you all know why I've called you here. We at Brown's Orthopaedic Supplies are privileged in many ways. <laughs> yes, yes, all right, nobody minds fun. But it seems that some of you don't appreciate those privileges and haven't been treating the facilities with the respect that they more than deserve. This isn't the first time I've had to say this, and it isn't to all of you, but I can't stress this strongly enough, the Stargate is not a bin. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Now, I appreciate that the bins are quite a long way from many of your workstations, and the Stargate is, I admit, hard to miss. But this is not an excuse to throw your used sandwich wrappers, scrap paper, chewing gum, post-it notes, or soiled items through the interdimensional portal. <laughs> I mean, would you do it at home? I haven't got a Stargate at home. <laughs> That's pretty much the point. The Stargate is pretty bloody special, excuse my French. No one else has one in their workplace, or indeed anywhere else. And I can hardly believe that I'm having to say this, but the enormous vertical glowing blue disk of water is not a skip. <laughs> what must the aliens think of us? Maybe they like rubbish. They yeah. don't like rubbish, and it's irresponsible in more ways than one. Some of the aliens aren't particularly advanced, and they were absolutely bloody livid, excuse my French, when I had to explain to them that their new deity was, in fact, a half-empty packet of nice and spicy knick-knacks. <laughs> Good morning, officer. Superintendent. Take a seat, officer. Is everything all right, super? How can I put this? Police resources are always limited, officer, and one of those resources is time. We have to be careful about how we focus our efforts. Can I stop you there, Michael? Is this about Top Cat? It's mainly about Top Cat. <laughs> We've discussed this before. That cat is a menace. He's a bit cheeky. A bit cheeky? He comes up with scams, he comes up with capers. All right, so you're saying he's a fraudster. What sort of thing? Identity theft? Credit cards? Well, him and his mates will dress up like Arabs and pop stars and stuff, and then they'll... Uh, OK, OK, I've got some of your notes here. 9.30am, went to the alley, waited for Top Cat. 10.30, saw Top Cat. He's dressed up like an Arab and stole an important ruby. I will get TC. <laughs> Who's TC? TC, Top Cat. That's what his close friends call him. Look, Brian, we've got to focus more on knife crime. Gangs. Yeah, gangs. Yes, gangs. He's the indisputable leader of the gang. <laughs> what? He's the boss. He's the pip. He's the championship. He's Top Cat. And he's scum. All right. <laughs> All right, so you say we've had forensics do a mock-up. Is this what he looks like? No, no, I've told you, he's yellow. He's yellow and he wears a hat and a waistcoat. <laughs> a waistcoat? Bloody hell, Brian, it was like this with that horse. Top horse, he was a threat. <laughs> he was a slightly cheeky horse. A slightly che... He had a quip for every occasion. He made me feel about this high. He wore a cravat and trousers. <laughs> Brian, I think you need to take a holiday. Have you got family you can stay with? Got a cousin, lives in the country. Nice. Yeah, Jellystone Park. <laughs> Some nice walks in Jellystone. Maybe your cousin can help you. What does he do? Park ranger. <laughs> well, I say park ranger. He's mainly in charge of picnic basket safety. <laughs> Sounds like he's got his head screwed on. I mean, he wouldn't get obsessed to the detriment of his other duties with the maniacal pursuit of one cheeky but ultimately lovable animal who wears two items of formal clothing, would he? Would he? 
maybe I'd better stay with my mum. <laughs> If you've just joined us, I'm talking to Dr Chris Strickland, who leads a team conducting whale surveys in the North Atlantic. So, Chris, if I could just recap, what do these whale surveys actually entail? I mean, how are they carried out? Well, Malcolm, as I've said, it's really rather straightforward. We just, my team and I, we take our ship out into the ocean looking for whales, and then when we see any, if we see any, we count them. That's interesting. You, you say if you see any, but surely the whales, the whales you're attempting to count, they are very big, aren't they? Oh, they are, they are. They are very big. Some of them are amongst the biggest creatures. Well, indeed, some of them are the biggest creatures in the world. But then, uh, forgive me, but that would seem to make the task of finding some to count that much... Ah, uh, yes, but then, of course, you must remember that while the whales are certainly big, the sea is even bigger. Um, I mean, it's really big, incomparably bigger than even the biggest of the whales. Well, not incomparably. One can compare them. But the upshot of such a comparison would be that the sea is way, way bigger. <laughs> Not only that, but there are several of these large seas all over the world, and as they're all connected, the whales have full access to all of them. So suddenly the whole task of counting them becomes much harder than it would be if the whales were in, say, Sheffield. Yes, yes, I see. Now, now you explain it in those terms, I, I do see. Also, that the whales can, and do, go underwater, which uh, we, in our whale-counting ship, try to avoid doing. And then, of course, there's the issue of when we see a whale, can we be sure it's, so to speak, a new whale? Or just one we've counted before again? But when you do find some, the counting itself, how does that... Um... Well, really, in exactly the way you're probably imagining. The, the pretty standard numerical system you or your listeners probably use every day. Really? So it's actually not so very different from if I were, say, to count the cars in my street or the number of, uh, let's say... Oranges on a, on a plate. No, no different at all, no. We see a whale and... We, we quite simply count it. Um, one, obviously, if it's the first one. Or otherwise, we add to the count, the pre-existing count, which then goes up by one. Uh, two, for instance, two or eight, or 27, or anything, really, and then you know how many there are. <laughs> I see, I see. Well, at this point, Chris, I really begin to feel that I must surely have asked you every question about the counting of whales that it's possible to imagine. <laughs> yes, yes, I have to say, I do agree with you there. Um, I'm not sure what more the BBC expect to get out of us on the subject of counting whales um, that we didn't cover in the first, well, certainly in the first two hours. Quite. And, and yet, of course, the fact remains that the BBC, for reasons I frankly fail to understand, have locked the two of us in this room with no food or water and, and forced us to talk about counting whales for, what is it, it must be three... Four. I think it's four days now. <laughs> Four days, and my producer, or at any rate the voice that's replaced him, remains emphatic that whales and the counting of same are the only subjects on which he is prepared to hear from us, and certainly not wanting to see the reappearance of the electrified punishment spikes that was so much a feature of the third night, I'm inclined to carry on asking you, on average, how many whales... Yes, and I have been with you so far, Malcolm, but now I must confess I am beginning to think that compared to continuing the whale discussion for really any more time at all, um, death has substantially lost its sting. And 
Indeed, rather than wait for the spikes, I may take it upon myself to kill at least one of us with this microphone stand. Well, Chris, I can certainly sympathise with that impulse. Thank you. Um, do you have a particular preference about which of us I kill? If you'd asked me yesterday, I think I would have done. But now, so long as the discussion about counting whales ends, I really don't mind. This here is old Dave. Old Dave don't know much, but he sure does know about making bleach. See, we like to take our time making bleach. Good old time bleach. We've been making it since 1952, and we still make it the way we always have. 98% bleach with just a hint of lemon to disguise the smell of bleach. Funny thing is, you can't ever really disguise the smell of bleach. It's so strong. And that's just the way we like it. Good old time thin ammonia-based bleach. Because though other things are changing, we plan to go on making our bleach in the old-fashioned way. Boiling up a precipitate of ammonia with a solving agent and condensing the residue. Sure, it may take a while, but when you're making bleach, we think a bit of time is worth taking. So, if you're passing, come on down to the bleach factory. But make sure you wear some protective clothing, because bleach sure is darn corrosive. Listen, team, great to have you here for a chinwag. We've got a hit on our hands, and now we need to capitalise on it. What are you talking? I'm talking Strictly Come Dancing. You want more dance shows like Strictly Come Dancing? No, I want more shows where we take the name of a quite successful film, knock off the last word of its title, put it before the title of an old and cancelled TV show, and get a massive hit and count the money. I like your thinking. So, let's mind-smash this thing. <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Temple of Bergerac? <laughs> on the Western Wogan. William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet Bravo. Everything you always wanted to know about sex but were afraid to pebble mill at one. The day after after Henry. It's a wonderful Floyd on Britain on Ireland. It's a mad, 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 mad monarch of the Glen. It's a wonderful Floyd uncorked. The Shawshank rent-a-ghost. One flew over the cuckoo's bagpuss. Twelve angry dinner ladies. Lock, stock and two smoking footballers' wives. It's a wonderful Floyd around the med. Scream the box of delights. You didn't take a word off the title. That's against the rules. It was scream too. My apologies. <laughs> Doctor Strange Love or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the the Britass Empire. <laughs> the two thars might be a bit clunky. Hello, hello, hello. What was the film? That was Hello Dolly. <laughs> Honey, I shrunk the ever decreasing circles. My Big Fat Greek Big Breakfast. <laughs> I think that might be the one. What happens in it? Denise Van Outen tries to co-present an upbeat breakfast show while her mother force-feeds her moussaka. Cracking. <laughs> I'll schedule it just before the taking of Pelham 12321. <laughs> and so we inherited all this money from my great-aunt and really wanted to use some of it to really make a difference. Yeah, so we've been looking for a charity that we really believe in. Of course. We used to give money to the Heart Disease Trust. Yeah, we thought that was a very good cause. Yeah. Then great-aunt Susan died of heart disease and left us all this money, so it was obvious that giving it to a heart disease charity would be you know, 
a bit flippant. Yeah. <laughs> Shutting the stable door after the horse has bolted kind of thing. Of course. And we sponsored a third world child for a while, which was OK. Yeah, we got letters and drawings and what have you. But, you know, I keep an eye on the news. and It, it just didn't tally. No mention of the flooding, the earthquake, no drawings of the Civil War. And then there was all this stuff about the US airstrikes. And then next letter we got, her handwriting had changed. Now, I, I, know, I know a lot of people would say that the child you're ostensibly sponsoring is just an illusion to give a personal scale to what is really just casting your money into the void of pain. Yeah, but we really felt we had a real connection with... Uh, what was her name? We could never pronounce it. Yeah. So we stopped the direct debit. I mean, you could do good your whole life in the third world and it wouldn't make any real difference. No. So that was why we turned to donkey sanctuaries. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently a lot of people go straight from famine to donkeys. Yeah, there's a Facebook group. Because it was pretty clear by then that human beings are stuffed and there's nothing you can really do, but we felt that there was an outside chance that complete contentment for all donkeys is achievable. Yeah, and while obviously what happens to donkeys doesn't really matter at all, you feel that by helping them to live in the lap of luxury, you're sort of signalling your regret that so many people live such terrible existences. So we thought, yeah, that's our mission, an end to donkey cruelty. Mm. And is that when you found out that donkey cruelty has been ended? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it came on the news that the last donkey had been taken out of cruelty and, and in fact, there was a funding surplus of £45 billion. <laughs> What's that gone to? Wasp sanctuaries. Um, <laughs> so that's when we thought of you. Well, here at the Battersea Ghosts Home, we are <laughs> finding that a lot of people are very pleased to be giving money to ghosts. I mean, just look around you. You can see the difference it makes. Sorry. Can't you see the ghosts? Um, no. <laughs> They're saying they can't see you guys. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Claudius. <laughs> no. Bye. <laughs> Giving money to us, you can be sure it'll go to people for whom things really can't get any worse. Like it says in the ad, we can't stop people dying, but we can make sure they're looked after when they're dead. So what do you provide here? Everything. By which I mean a large room for them to hang around in. Well, why is that so expensive to maintain? Well, for a start, it has to be exorcism-proof. Um, that isn't cheap. And then, of course, there are all the ghosts' needs. Needs? Well, let me ask you this. What do we need to provide for short-sighted ghosts? I don't know. Spooticles. <laughs> that's, that's not a joke. They're very expensive. And there's food. Has it occurred to you what a ghost's favourite breakfast cereal is? Oh, um, I don't know. Um, Wheater Crypt. Shroudies? Scarios? No. Oddly, it's just... Rice Krispies! <laughs> but, um, but they're very expensive as well. <laughs> Mr. Pettigrew, it's me, Felix. Felix Dunstan, the adventurer. You remember me from the last time I introduced myself, I'm sure. Yes, Mr. Dunstan, do come in. Thank you, thank you very much. And how are things at the Institute of Extraordinary Creatures? To be honest, Mr. Dunstan, things are a little slow, and I don't hold out much hope for the next few minutes. Oh, well, I'd rather take that as an insult. As it was meant. Mr. Pettigrew, I consider this attitude most unseemly. I am a regular attendee of the Institute of Extraordinary Creatures. I am constantly coming in here with brand new, undiscovered, or mythological creatures that I find on my adventuring slash exploring trips. I'd like you to explain yourself. Very well. Firstly, you're not an adventurer. You grit roads. Some say gritting is the greatest adventure of them all. <laughs> no, they don't. And second of all, my attitude towards you is so tired because every time you come in here, you have some terrible claim to have discovered a new species or some mythological creature, and you invariably haven't. 
Now, do please leave me alone. I have a delicious jam sandwich that I am tremendously looking forward to eating. Wait, wait, wait. I brought that amazing photo of the phoenix. It was a picture of a man who had accidentally set fire to an eagle. <laughs> the footage of that mermaid? That was footage of a shark who had half-eaten a lady. <laughs> and it was a clip from the lady-eating shark film, Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> Well, today I shall blow your mind. I have found, not a creature, but a new kind of man. This is the son of a British lord and lady who were marooned on the West African coast by mutineers. When the boy was a year old, his parents were killed and he was raised by wild creatures as one of their own. Twenty years later, I discovered him and I bring him to you. Come in here, Lord Blackstreak. Jam, 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 What the, what the hell is he? Sting, 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 Here, a pinching ow, ow, idiot in a ow, yellow and black striped top ow, is not becoming part of the institute, and that's final. Oh, window, window, window. Oh, oh, ah, ah, ow, ow, window, window. Can you do something ow, about that window, noise? Window, window, Have you got an extremely window, large ow, glass and an oversized ow, coaster? Ow, 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 no. Then no. Window, window, ooh, I can open window, the window ooh, at least. Window, window. Uh, window, window ah! Now. Do you have anything else, or can I get back to my sandwich? I've got a woman who was raised by penguins. Hello. <laughs> She's just sicked half-digested fish over my sandwich. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you looked hungry. Oh, my God, oh, my God, they're everywhere. Oh, look who's back. Zombies, Carol, they're right behind me. Mm -hmm. Didn't you hear me? Zombies, Carol, zombies. That's very nice, I'm sure. Help me barricade the door, for God's sake. Oh, I'm sure I just get in your way, a great lump like me. Oh, you're not still angry about that. Oh, no, you implying I piled on the flab recently, I hadn't even given a passing thought. Ah! Help me, Carol! Oh, no, my great obscene wobbling mass will only impede your fortification attempts, I'm sure. Look, I'm sorry, Carol, OK? Just... The... No! No! I'm sorry, but I've heard it all before, Philip. Oh, God, I'm being eaten! I'm being eaten! Brains! Brains! You see, Philip, now there's a man interested in a little more than physical appearances. Brains! Hello. The date is 2040, as you're obviously well aware, and this is Sky BBC 12. It's now 30 years since Joanna Lumley became benign dictator of Britain <laughs> and since her most famous innovation the requirement that no citizen be allowed to continue doing their job until they had reported before a panel of old ladies and explained exactly what they do. <laughs> Under the 30 years rule, the recordings of these hearings can now be made public for the first time. Come in, dear. Sit down. Now then, what do you do? I'm a doctor. Oh, a doctor. That's lovely, dear. Good for you. What sort of doctor? A surgeon. Oh, Goodness me. Well done. And what do you specialise in? Well, I'm, I'm a cosmetic surgeon. Oh. Ah. I see. So, so you help people who are disfigured, do you, dear? Uh, no, that's plastic surgery. I'm a, I'm a cosmetic surgeon, so most of my clients are, well, they're ordinary people who'd like to improve their appearance, and I help them to do that. And do you make them better? Yes, I, I make them look better and feel better about themselves. You make them look better, but you don't make them... Better. No. 
How long did you train for? Five years at medical school, two years foundation training, and then another six years in surgical training. But you don't make anyone better. I make them happier. Do you? Yes. Do you? Sometimes. <laughs> for a while, definitely. Do you? No. <laughs> so, if I came to see you, dear, what would you do to my face? I could reduce the bags under your eyes and I could take away some of the lines on your forehead and, and around your eyes. But I'm 75, dear. Wouldn't I look a bit funny without any wrinkles at 75? Well, that, that is a side effect of my work. Yes, people do look a bit funny. <laughs> but younger. Oh, do they look younger, dear, or do they look like they've had cosmetic surgery? Because there is a difference, isn't there, dear? Look, there's nothing wrong with what I do. It doesn't do anyone any harm. No. No, we're sure it doesn't. We're quite sure you're a very skilled doctor and surgeon. <laughs> you trained for 13 years, after all. And as you say, you don't do any harm. Shall I go and be a proper doctor? Yes, dear. I think that would be nice. Here we are, my good friends, the 77th floor. Well, I'll be. Have some champagne. I gotta hand it to you, Mr. Chrysler. That is some view. Tallest building in the world, Mr. Woolworth. 400,000 rivets going into its construction. Finally built something bigger than the Woolworth Tower. That's still a beautiful building. Oh, yeah. The Cathedral of Commerce. 57 stories, 300,000 rivets. I love rivets. Mr. Chrysler, you know what I love about being a millionaire tycoon? Why, it's that our names will live on forever and ever and ever. <laughs> Mr. Woolworth, I'd go one better than that. I say our names are going to live on forever and ever and ever and ever. What do you say, Mr. Zavi? <laughs> I think you're both stupid, you know, nuts and jocks. You guys, I think, are this building big. Oh, boy, wait till you see my building. You're going to puke? <laughs> oh. oh, oh, Zavi. Oh. Say, Mr. Zavi, uh, where are you from again? Never you mind, Woolworths. <laughs> Wait until you see the Zavi building. It's going to be eighth wonder of the world. You want classy? You know who's designing it? Why no? Beta... No, Shakespeare. <laughs> That's right, you guys. William Blood Shakespeare himself, the artist, is going to design a mad Zavi building in the shape of a Z. <laughs> you want classy? You know who's going to build it? Peacocks. Specially trained peacocks in hot hats. They're going to line all the bricks, meet their classy poop. Oh, classy poop. And from the top of it, you know, all the people are going to look like ants. And inside, all the people are going to look like ants. We're going to dress all the people as ants. You want classy? Everyone around the world going to come and see the people dress as ants in my building on all 200 floors. And they will go, oh, what is this floor? And I will say, this floor is for cushions. And they will say, oh, and what is this floor? And I will say, this floor is for toilets. And they will say, and what is this floor? And I will say, this floor is for orphans. And then all the orphans, what I taught to play the bloody harp. They come forward, they sing, Oh, Mr. Zavi, you are so sexy. Your wife is so lucky, and all the trees are going to be on the inside, and all the tables on the outside. What vision? And it's going to be on wheels. And 
That's the Zavi building. Well, well, I have to say, Zavi, this proposed Zavi building of yours sounds like it's gonna leave even my Chrysler building in the shade. Oh, okay, I don't do it then. <laughs> that Michelin Web Sound starred David Mitchell and Robert Webb with Olivia Coleman, Sarah Hadland, and James Bachman. It was written by David Mitchell, Robert Webb, Jonathan Dryden Taylor, Madeline Brettingham, Simon Kane, Ed Bradshaw, and Ollie Simpson, Sam Bain, Jesse Armstrong, and Simon Blackwell, Carrie Quinlan, Matthew Stott, Toby Davis, and John Finnemore. The producer was Gareth Edwards. Yeah.